Hi, everyone. In our rush to get to social hour today, we forgot to uh, announce the episode numbers. So here you go. It's episode 67 of Off the Crossbar, a Real Salt Lake podcast. Now we just wait, right? Until oh. something funny organically <laughs> happens. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. I think we needed to start a conversation and then you start recording halfway through the conversation. But we've all forget- noticed that we're now recording. Mm-hmm. I, I always forget the order of that. Yeah. Yeah. That was very silly. What's up? Um, nothing. <laughs> not, not much. Uh, Trevor. Just chilling. I like um, your flannel. Oh, it is nice. It's a local flannel. It's a local. I don't know if you guys can read that. Quarters. Trevor, I said I liked it because, I mean. Because you recognize it? Yeah, because I could see that it says quarters on it. Yeah. Is that um, how that's pronounced? uh, Yes. I was trying to think of an alternate way to pronounce a Q. What what language has an alternate Q pronunciation? Um, Maybe you could do quar. Quarters. I don't think you can change the Q pronunciation very much. You have to change the emphasis. um, Portuguese. I feel like maybe they They do a a K sound. Yeah, because I'm thinking about the midfielder, the Brazilian midfielder for Olympique Lyon. I believe he plays for him. Lucas Paqueta. I think that's how they say his name. Yeah. 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 The former former Milan midfielder. I know who you're talking about. Oh, it has to be a Syria ah related player. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it is pronounced like a K in Portuguese. But strictly speaking, like Oh, nice. The, the cool. Q in English, like just by itself, is a K sound as well. It's I know. the U that makes it qua. That makes it the W. If we're not careful, my dad's gonna send us more uh linguistic more. stuff. I'm fine with it. I love linguistic stuff. Yeah, I'm fine with it too, actually. Duolingo, but specifically for the letter Q is what I'm into. We'll call it yeah. Q-O-Lingo. Q-O-Lingo. That's no, I don't think it's anything else. So That's right. Wow, that'd be great. I love doing that, I think. Yeah. Um, You've got the education app experience. It'll be good. That's right. Wow. Um, this is this is my dream. It's going to be fulfilled. Is, you've been building for this for years. How's, uh, how are my friends? How are you guys doing today? Uh, doing good. Doing pretty good. Nice stormy Monday. Yeah, it just started being stormy over here, at least in terms of what I noticed. Yeah, it's looking spooky outside. Yeah, it's very October. It's yeah. very pleasant. It is. I love it. It's been a it's been a, a particularly uh, wet October so far, I believe. Um, which I guess brings me to my first social hour question. We're turning this into a panel. Just kidding. We're in, Ooh, well, yeah. kind of, well, Trevor. What, yes. How was the weather on your trip up north this week at last weekend? The weather was gorgeous and nice. glorious. I tend to be i I think I'm unique in that I prefer cold rather than hot. Um, you maybe don't I'm not. I don't know. I know that I hate the summer and I love the fall and I enjoy winters a lot more than I think most people do. Mm. Um, but no, it was like in the 30s for sure. Like even uh, in the highs during the day. Yeah, the high was oh. the high was I think thirty five until nice. Saturday. Saturday it got up to I think like forty something. Okay, and Trevor was in Island stuff. Park. He was yeah. in. Sorry, West we were in uh, 
northwest, not north, just straight east Idaho, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, did you get into Yellowstone at all? Yes, we did. We spent nice. so the whole trip was um, planned by my sister. She's hosting two foreign exchange students oh, cool. this year, um, and she's become friends with another local person that also hosts uh foreign exchange students and they are also hosting two foreign exchange students so between the two families there are four foreign exchange students um two are from spain and one is from moldova and the other is from i think it's thailand okay um nice but anyway they all they so this year they were like let's get all of our foreign exchange students and try to go to like on a trip this year everybody all together and so Yellowstone's close, so we decided to go to Yellowstone. We rented a cabin and went up there and oh, spent nice. their fall break, which was last week. Um, I tagged along because my sister's kids are the same age as my kid, and they all hang out together all the time. So I went up to go with my kid so my kid could hang out with their cousins. That's and awesome. Yeah, it was. it had snowed like two or three days before. I think we left on Wednesday or maybe – no, we left on Thursday, got up there Thursday. And m- Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, it had been snowing. Um, so there was two or three or four inches of snow in some places. Um, yeah, it was very cold until the last day. It warmed up and started to melt some of the snow. But uh, yeah, we did get into Yellowstone one day and we went to go see Grand Prismatic Spring and Old Faithful um which is a different experience in the winter probably should have realized that but like it's mostly steam we didn't see grand prismatic spring like at all (laughs) just because of all the steam that was coming off of it and then old faithful is just a whole bunch of steam coming out the top and then it um what erupt is that the right word anyway that sounds that feels right i mean it is erupting right yeah yeah. so from the earth yeah it, yeah, it erupted on schedule as it does, and it was just a giant column of steam was pretty much all you could see from it. Uh, cool. we, we did go up to, uh, there's like an observation point. It's like a half mile hike uh, up the hill behind Old Faithful, and we got some really good pictures and a really good view from there. Nice. That's cool. Um, yeah, and then the next day, we pretty much just stayed in and played board games all day. So we played yes. several different board games. We learned a, a Russian game um that was a lot of fun it was called i think it was called bunker or bunker the russian word for bunker Uh, it's like a card game and it's really difficult to explain but basically it's like you have so many people like 10 or 11 people that all get these characteristics of they're just different people that have different jobs and different heights and um sizes and and expertises and characteristics and hobbies and all that stuff and you go around and you're supposed to reveal one at a time everybody has like something that's awful about them or a couple things that are awful about them and you've got to slowly but surely like vote somebody out because you're all getting into like a bunker it's like an end of the world scenario okay your goal is to just try to get into the bunker and be one of the last three or four people and everybody else gets voted out so we played that game. That was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it was just a whole lot of hanging out, just a little solid bit of Yellowstone, time. and just getting away from home for a little bit. Yeah, was really nice. I was worried when you said you were going up that you were planning on camping, and I was like, oh man, that's gonna be it's gonna be a whole thing. But um, I am very pleased to hear you had a nice little cozy cabin. That's great. That's the best way. Yeah, really nice. That sounds awesome. Wow. Whew. 
We did go to the tourist trap in West Yellowstone of eating lunch in one of their restaurants that was way overpriced and like, okay, food. Yeah. So I haven't been to West Yellowstone like during the day. Like I've, I slept in my car there before. Um, Cause like I wanted to go, like it was like a go to Yellowstone for like a weekend type thing. It was like a, what was my strategy there? I, I might have taken Friday off work and like dr- like driven up to West Yellowstone after work Thursday and then slept in the parking lot of somewhere with like, a, there were like a, a group of friends. Like there were like multiple of us all sleeping in different cars uh, just like to get into the park for sunrise or something like that. Yeah. So, um, and then also to get a campsite early on Friday morning and probably is because a lot of that was first come first serve at the time. I think they've actually changed at least in, in Grand Teton national park, they've changed everything to a reservation system. There's like no first come first serve anymore, which is kind of a bummer. Cause I liked those, but, um, anyway, so yeah, I've, the only time I've been to West Yellowstone is just like sleeping in a parking lot, like late at night, but I'm familiar <laughs> with like the whole, the whole thing. I, I know in the winter they essentially don't plow the roads and everyone just gets around by their, uh, on like, um, snowmobiles, essentially everyone that lives there. It's pretty wild, but yeah. anyway, how was, how was the food at the tourist trap? It was like, I mean, it was okay. Like it was nothing special. Well, that's not true. Do you have a bison have, burger? No. What they had was um, they had some elk stuff. So they had, I think it was an elk burger. They definitely had a bison burger. Gotcha. But they had something else with elk. But the one that I got was elk ravioli, <laughs> like ravioli and like a mushroom kind that of so sauce or whatever. Yeah. It was. It was like good because it was elk, but it wasn't good because it was like this fancy presentation like against or, or their best like efforts it was good yeah it's good because elk is good yeah like that's what it was gotcha. no, i've never i've never tried elk so i guess i'll have to rectify I, that at some point it's worth it like give it a shot i feel like i have i've definitely had bison before yeah. which is good bison um, is delicious you know elk is pretty good but it's not like go out of your way to try elk like try it once or twice in your life and you'll enjoy yeah. it but it's not like anything ridiculously special yeah i'm i've never been like i'm not part of a hunting family so like deer meat and elk meat weren't like a thing for us like i i I had friends that like their family would do the big hunt for actually this week fall break and then essentially just have like elk meat through the winter not for every meal but they they would just they would just have have it like and they would just have it like periodically through the winter just all from this like big hunt or whatever and i never did that but um i was gonna say like i'm uh hunting i have an interesting i don't know it's not interesting i just have a conflicted conflicted view of hunting in general but like when it comes to like elk and deer and all that it's like you know probably fine or whatever it is kind of funny to me though to be like serving food of the animals that are like that like majestically occupy the national park that's like steps away from where you'd be eating it you know they just need like, a, like a bear burger then. That Yeah, that, that's like what's kind of funny to me is like essentially like like you see those stories of people being attacked by bison in Yellowstone because there are like tourists with their like phone cameras or like walking right up to them. Big and huge they, dummies. Yeah, and they get like gored or something. Yeah. I think it's funny that like there's people they can both, you know, be taking these photos of these majestic creatures but then maybe earlier that day had a had a 
you know, themselves a Weissenberg. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just kind and of funny to me. Even more prominent, like at these exotic zoo type things, right? I, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Kind of because like, I, I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, it's like, I appreciate, I'm, I'm not a hunter. I never really did hunting, but I had a lot of friends who did it. So I kind of get like the whole, like, go out and hunt and kill whatever is local to you and eat that. And like, yeah, that, that's, also the, just that's like, the thing as I'm, like a I'm local, fine with. Like yeah. as like a local farming idea, like yeah, eat whatever's local to you. And if that's bison and elk, like it makes sense. Totally. No, to bison and, like, and elk. So and I, I like bison burgers and I like taking pictures of bison. It's just kind of funny. Also at the grocery store the other day, mm-hmm. I noticed that the Smith's marketplace by me had the bison listed as Buffalo. Like they had a little sign that said Buffalo and I was like, what? And then if you like go up to the packaging, it says bison or whatever. And I was like, I mean, they're I basically mean, I, the same animal, right? I, I know that they like, we use that interchangeably, but I kind of, I thought like, I thought we'd like don't have buffalo here anymore or whatever. Yeah, I, These are I all like that, bison, like a cow situation. Yeah. I thought bison and buffalo were like two different things, but they're the same. I I never learned the, the rules on that, but I, I thought that <laughs> buffalo and bison was not interchangeable. Yeah. The American bison is commonly known as the American buffalo. But it is a bison. Yeah, it's not okay, actually so a buffalo. Thing, which is different than like Cape and water buffalo in Asian yeah. Africa. Okay. Anyway, anyway, it's just kind of funny seeing that like in an official uh, store labeling situation. I was like, buffalo? I was like, that's weird. Like, I know like colloquially we will say, we'll say buffalo, but I, I was just like, oh, that's kind of weird. Um, the other thing I was going to mention is that when it comes to hunting, I've been like very angry. I've been watching a lot of animal TikToks lately, especially sure. around uh, like large African mammals. Like I think like for some reason I got like so fascinated by rhinoceroses in particular, like oh. just the mass and like the size. But anyway, and then I just started thinking about people who are like who are down to like hunt those animals. I'm just like, come on. Like, you mean like trophy hunters? Because yeah, 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 trophy, trophy hunters can get gone forever. <laughs> well, like, I'm how could that. you see, especially when you see such like these animals, especially like elephants? Like, I think they're a very good example, but it doesn't necessarily. It's not limited to them, but just one I've been watching a lot of videos are they have such like, um, like maternal and paternal instincts to, at like a, like a weird like humany level i guess that like yeah it's it's almost it's like uncanny sometimes i, I just don't know how people could like look at an, an animal like that and be like that's something i gotta kill <laughs> like i mean it's it's basically larping right yeah especially because so many of those are just like they get taken out on like a tour where you know maybe if it was a fair fight <laughs> Where it's one hunter up against one elephant and then like all things are equal um, as far as this, the setting, then maybe if they have a duel, then I can accept that. But when they're flying around in a helicopter, just like shooting animals, I'm just like, seriously, like, yeah, come like on. at the same time, like an elephant, like it, it would never be a fair fight because elephants don't like. Right. Fight. I, I'm they, saying, just, like, they walk around, and they eat food and drink water and like just it, like enjoy being alive. Yeah, I'd be OK with like it in, in, instance in which an elephant wanted to kill this man as much as the man wanted to kill the elephant. Yeah. And <laughs> like in this made up scenario, I'd be like, OK, <laughs> if elephants were like wildly aggressive predators, like, yeah, I'm yeah. on board with it. But they're just not at all. 
man. Trophy hunting, like, for sure is something I don't, I I don't think I'll ever get behind. Like, the closest thing I'll accept is, like, if you go deer hunting or elk hunting and you're looking for the biggest deer or the biggest elk or the most points or whatever. Yeah. That's, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're still not, like, killing the animal just to put something on the wall like ideally you're killing the animals so that you can harvest the meat and like that makes sense yeah but if yeah. you're just going out to like kill an animal that's bigger than you and now you need to go kill the next biggest animal and you need to go kill the next one yeah and you have to fly nine thousand miles to do it because it's not anything that's local to you or where you're at or where you live like for you sure doing? for what's sure point? Yeah. yeah anyway i love yellowstone it's great it is it really is <laughs> It's it's a very pretty place. I need to go back there. The Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone is my favorite part of it. <laughs> so I know that there is a Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone. That was one of the things we wanted to go see. Yeah. My sister really wanted to go see it. And we the whole time we were planning this trip, any single time that she mentioned the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone, she would say, oh, we also have to go to the Grand Canyon. And me and my brother-in-law every single time would be like that's in arizona why are we <laughs> that's like 11 hours away how like are we not... gonna make that trip today yeah that same joke was made like 30 times in the I love it. It's a good... trip and on this trip yeah i love that it's a great place <laughs> but anyway um matt what's going on with you what kind of animals are you are on your mind lately um human the most dangerous game um also <laughs> I, I think i need to go to yellowstone so uh Next year, I'll awesome. make a trip. Yeah, um, next year is the year. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, with me, oh, I did write a note, so I don't forget this. Went to a gluten-free bakery in American Fork. Really? Uh, Jimmy was getting her hair cut down there, and I thought, I want something tasty, so I'm going to find the closest gluten-free okay. bakery. It's not wholly gluten-free, so yeah. cross-contamination pro- yeah, maybe probably is occurring. Okay. Um, they didn't, they didn't mention anything that I saw there, uh, but they had muffin tops who were, which were very good. Uh, they had some gluten-free eclairs and, so, you know, a, a pretty good array of gluten-free yeah. pastries. Okay. So I don't know if this is just my perception for some reason, but why does it feel like Utah County is like quite a bit ahead of Salt Lake County on the gluten-free stuff? I think it, if I had to guess... Uh, there are probably some economic conditions that lead to more small businesses opening. Yeah. But I don't well, know. I can speak to that specifically, and that's oh. absolutely true. Um, well, no, just because like one of the reasons that all of these new businesses and new restaurants and new MLMs and new security system and pest control and whatever version of company that becomes new, like BYU's business school, which is one of the most renowned in the country um really difficult to get into one of the classes the class is go start a business yeah and see how successful it is and a lot of students just do like a will do something like an etsy that's just like a little bit bigger than that and they just do it just for the purpose of the class and then they learn what they need to learn and they shut their business down but a lot of them come specifically from that like that's what j-dog started out as that's what like sub-zero ice cream yeah Yeah. there's a lot of like businesses that started in utah county because of that class and some of them last and some of them don't and some of them are like j-dogs and are the greatest thing ever but that's yeah there's definitely that element of byu business school go start a business and some of them i don't know a lot of them 
probably stem from that. That's probably where some of your gluten-free bakery stuff comes from. Cool. Yeah, that's, All right, that's good to know. Yeah, because that like that other one, like that new grains one or whatever that I sent you, Matt, like that yeah. one's down in Provo, like their main headquarters and everything. Their big bakehouse. So yeah. yeah, this is Avenue Bakery. I got a loaf of bread. The loaf of bread has been pretty good. Um, I did have Jenny try it and she said it wasn't the worst thing ever. <laughs> um high praise. I know. And uh for me with bread, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but it's got called? a good like structure and it's kind of spongy. So Avenue Bakery. Yeah, an American. Oh, you board. just barely said that and I wasn't paying attention. That's right, I'm used to it. <laughs> uh, other than that, um had I watched Squid Game when we talked last? I don't think I so. I don't think we've talked in like two weeks. I haven't watched it. Oh yeah, we had uh, a week off because of the international um, break. Stuff. international yeah. break yeah yeah so i watched squid game uh that was a blast um very violent Pretty dark i'm like i'm like six episodes in i think trevor um yes i don't think your 11 year old kid would enjoy squid game <laughs> we tried to get him tried to get somebody to turn on squid game at the cabin Somebody was like oh what should we watch and we we're like oh squid game's a good show <laughs> That's what people are talking about. <laughs> My sister was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like half the people in the cabin are under the age of 12 and are not going to appreciate it. Yeah, your sister's smart. Um, I don't even no. know if it's a matter of appreciation. I think it's also just like it's uh, it's very, very violent. Um, yeah. It's very interesting themes uh, in that movie or in that show. That, yeah, they're um, very on the nose, right? Like it's it's anti-capitalist yes. in some key ways, some anti-consumerist. And For then sure. as it goes, there are some things that reveal themselves. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, especially with the, like the whole stuff around the girl from North Korea, too. It's interesting. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, ooh, what else? Yeah, Matt, what, what else is going on? I don't I don't think I really have anything else. I'm playing board games and. I love it. Uh, harvested all the basil from my garden because it started snowing <sighs> one day. <laughs> and so I've got you know, probably five cups of basil in the freezer. Uh, I it up with some olive oil. Uh, so pesto through the winter is kind of the idea, but we'll we'll see where how well that works. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Uh, I need to plant some garlic outside. I think right about now is the time. Oh, is that is that the move for garlic? You plant it in the fall? Yeah. Oh, because I would love to have garlic. Yeah. Well, then I should go get going on that. Yeah. We can have a little garlic planting party. We'll all... Uh, Let's do it. Hop on Zencaster and record an episode. I love that. Yeah. We honestly should do a lot. Like, well, I'll tell you guys about it later. There was another podcast I listened to that did a very nice, like, outdoor walking around episode. But anyway. Oh, it was a good episode. Oh, I'm glad you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That, yeah. It was fantastic. Anyway. Um, I, um, I yield my time to the floor. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, I broke one. I made like, I did like a cardinal sin and broke the number one rule of the podcast. Do we have so I'm very sorry about this, but I saw the new James Bond movie without seeing the previous 24. I've seen <laughs> a few of them, but I, <laughs> oh, I did the see. same thing. So I think uh, Trevor, Trevor probably broke the rule of the podcast, which is go into these things without context. That's right. Yeah. So I, I mean, <laughs> I've seen like all the Daniel Craig ones and I've seen like some of the other ones just like randomly, but anyway, don't know. Obviously I don't know if I had to have seen all other 30 bonds in order to understand the newest one, but honestly, 
I really liked it. I thought it was cool. I like uh, sometimes a big like a uh, blockbuster film like that is very enjoyable when it's done correctly. I thought this one was great. And uh, that like last Mission Impossible that they did, I thought was good, too. Sometimes they just kind of nail it, you know, for what it is. And I like it. What about the villain? Was the villain uh, a good villain or a bad villain? Rami or Malek? Just kind of, sure. Um, My buddy saw it and said he thought the villain was flat. I mean, kind of. I don't know. I don't think they've had. I think the only really, really, really good villain they've had in t- in the all all of the uh, um, James Bond, uh, the Daniel Craig ones, is the is the guy played by Javier Bardem. I thought he was like the best one for sure. Um, like without question, I thought like is Blofeld the, even was pretty. Just dis- looks like. A- no, that's that's Christoph Waltz, actually. Oh, okay. I, I had this thing. I, I was I was like intently watching Pablo Mastroeni after the game on Saturday, and I like he had these certain angles to his face where he was looking like Christoph Waltz from the press box, because they have this very defined like diamond shaped like head. Like their jaws are very like they very angular, and like they have it kind of comes out anyway. Looking like Christoph Waltz, like a Latino Christoph Waltz. Is Pablo Mastroeni? I don't know. I don't know where his family originates from, but anyway. So yeah, saw the new James Bond, watched some other spooky movies and stuff over the weekend. Did just kind of a very chill weekend. Went to the farmer's market on Saturday. Pablo Mastroeni's family's from Argentina. There we go. Um, Yeah, I went to the farmer's market. Uh, Carly and I went in. We got like breakfast and coffee. Had a very nice, just like chill Saturday. And then went to the game that night with Matt. And it was, I guess we didn't go together, but we were there together. And we counted it. That's right. And the unfortunately, the taco stand, the taco truck down the street, La Fagata, was not there, which was very disappointing. I thought the vibes were going to be all off. But luckily, a very, very sweet woman who works at the R&R uh, restaurant at the stadium helped helped craft me a meal that was both gluten and dairy free for me. And it was like pulled pork with barbecue sauce and baked beans. And it was just delicious. And uh, so shout out to her for helping me eat food that night because I was a little concerned. Um, Matt and I also shared a bag of Nerds candy corn which were fantastic in like the weirdest possible way I can describe. They were very good. It was like, it's like essentially sour candy corn, I think, but like without the candy corn, traditional candy corn flavor. I don't know. But I don't know. Trevor corn texture. Yeah. What do you want from me, Trevor? I don't, I don't understand. Like that's the best description I can give. No, no, no. I'm, I'm fine with your description. I just, I'm on team. Anti candy corn. What? There's, it, I hate it. It's the worst uh, thing in the world. That's so interesting to me. And okay, so here, yeah, here's I, something. What so, I was expecting when Matt first showed the the nerds candy corn was that it was literal candy corn coated mm. with nerds candy, Ooh. which sounds awful. Yeah, it's apparently bad. it is not that. So not I'm that. way more open to trying this. Matt has like a 20 tweet tweet thread doing a full pregame <laughs> review of these. So yeah, I recommend people that. check it out if that's if that's uh, piques your interest. Um, I will say also, uh, I was having this conversation with Carly about candy corn because she was saying I was telling her about this and she was like, "Candy corn is like the most disgusting thing in the world." And I was like, 
it's really not. I think it's, I think it's good. And she was like, it's really not. And I said, I think it's good. And my mom around this time had like traditionally would always make this like really yummy mix of like honey roasted peanuts, candy corn. And I feel like there's another ingredient, maybe just those two things, but the honey roasted peanuts and the candy corn work together. So delightfully well. And I was like, Carly, you've had that and you liked it a lot when my mom's like put this together. She's like, oh yeah, that is good. And I was like, so you like candy corn? She's like, no. I was like, that's half of the ingredients that we're talking about here. So there's, there's some, I think there's some weird subconscious bias taking place around candy corn that I'm on the war path to changing one person at a time. So Trevor, you're next. Well, get me some of your mom's candy corn peanut combo mixture and we'll talk. Okay. Until then, will... Candy corn is of the devil. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, <sighs> what else? I mean, yeah, I had, had a very lovely time at the game. Just good vibes there. Um, as we transition into, well, RSL stuff, there were a couple of people while I, um, Matt and I were in the press box, I saw on the screen these people holding a sign that said, thank you for 20 years, Kyle Beckerman. And the 420 part was a four <laughs> and a 20 written in green. And I was like, that's really funny. I'm going to go talk to them and take a picture of them. So I did. And I went down there and I was like, hey, guys, can I take a picture of your sign, please? I think it's really funny and I like it. And they're like, sure. And then <laughs> they were like... And then I, I, I did, I like with my, I was about to ask if they had meant, if they thought tonight was the Kyle Beckerman appreciation night or whatever. And before I asked that, he was like, so I thought tonight was the Kyle Beckerman thing. <laughs> and I guess I really am just that much of a stoner that I forgot or something. He said something like that and it was, it was funny, but anyway, so yeah, just overall good weekend, met good people with that sign and, uh, yeah, things are good. Good. Things are nice. Shall we move on to the news? Let's talk news. All right. How we only did 30 minutes of social hour. Wow. Yeah. This is a good episode. Yeah. This This is is what people get for leaving negative reviews. (laughs) Just going to get longer and longer. The other one was very positive of our social hour. Yeah. And that's going to make it even longer too. (laughs) Just keep leaving reviews. We'll just keep making this longer. Because we haven't recorded for two weeks. Sorry. No, that's what it is. We miss each other. That's right. All right. I'm so Trevor and forever. First, uh, first news item we've got here. Um, Elliot Fall said recently that a coaching decision uh, is not likely to be made until Real Salt Lake is out of playoff contention. Uh, he also <laughs> says he misspoke when giving a 10 to 10 days to two week timeline. So there's that. And that kind of pairs like, with the next item. Yeah. Misspoke. Like I misspoke what it actually is, is just my favorite piece of PR like in the world. Like, no, you didn't misspeak. You were definitely prepared. You definitely like knew what questions were going to be asked. You knew what the answer was and you gave the answer. And now the answer has changed. Yeah. So like, it's fine that the answer's changed. I'm not mad about it. I just think it's, yeah, I misspoke is just such a good spin. Yeah. Um, so that pairs with the next item. (laughs) <laughs> which came out uh, about an hour ago, um, right before we were going to start recording, uh, until Trevor was interrupted by work on his day off. Uh, yeah. His boss will be receiving an angry letter on behalf of the podcast later. This is true. But I need Trevor to give me his name and address. 
<laughs> his name is, let me spell it for you. <laughs> okay. I'm waiting. Um, if no. his name is Landon Donovan, then he's withdrawn from the RSL coaching search. <laughs> if it's not, then I, I don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah, Landon Donovan has pulled himself out of the running. We we saw a report over the last, probably about a week ago, right, uh, that indicated that Landon Donovan had an offer in hand. Uh, that report was, was widely derided. Heavily disputed. And I think that's fair. Um, but this is interesting because it does line up kind of in a, in a close manner. Uh, if Landon Donovan pulled out of the running and then RSL was suddenly making a longer-term decision that will take longer to, to finish, uh, yeah. then, you know, it's it's just interesting timing, right? Well, and the guy that made the report, um, I don't remember where he's actually from. I think he usually reports on, like, Mexican it, it, soccer? Um, yeah, in L.A. He's he's an, L- an L.A.-based reporter. L.A.-based reporter, okay. Anyway, in his report, like, his original tweet and stuff was all in Spanish, and a whole bunch of people got mad at him for using the phrase offer in hand. And in his, like, explanation, he was saying that he wasn't saying like literally in his hand, he's just been spoken to the club and they've made him some kind of offer. Um, so that like the terms were like basically finalized. It doesn't necessarily mean that he has a piece of paper ready to sign in his hand, but they had spoken at length about what being the head coach at RSL would mean. So a little bit of like kind of, he said, she said there, but it does make everything else kind of line up with, the rest of this because yeah like matt said like the timeline of it if landon donovan doesn't have an offer why is he withdrawing you know what i mean like if it makes sense to me that the club would have said something to him at some point and they couldn't come to an agreement so now landon's withdrawing unless landon suddenly got another opportunity somewhere somewhere else possible right which is possible but we don't know anything about that so of course we're speculating and uh, the timeline matches up. There could be one team that he might have special interest in playing for. Uh, that I think I don't think they've fired their coach. In playing for or coaching for? Coaching for, or sorry. Um, Who hasn't fired their coach yet? Well, there's. Uh, I guess LA Galaxy is not probably not going to fire what's his name this year, right? Greg Vanny. I would be, guy, it would yeah. be very surprising, I think, if Greg Vanny got fired. They're uh, level on points with us, but behind on goal difference, which I had forgotten. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets fired after this season. Yeah. Well, his, how long has he been their coach? Isn't this the end of his second year? Or I don't halfway know. through? I'm in illu- oh. an illusion, so. Almost to is the end of his second year? Like, he hasn't been the coach for, like, years and years. No, He's been just the coach this year, for a actually. Bit, and I think they're looking at him as much more of a long-term yeah. kind of thing. Um, so. But- one wonders, like maybe San Jose, uh, where he played for for quite a while before moving yeah. to LA Galaxy. Um, if they don't make the playoffs, yeah. I think there's a an, and it's sure looking like they won't. And there's maybe an opportunity that could rise there. But here's my working theory: in interviews, uh, Landon Donovan had said that. Isn't it sorry? Isn't it interesting that we always say his full name? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, uh, he had said that. Um, <laughs> that he would look to bring his own coaching staff on board. And I wonder if that was uh, maybe something the club was not prepared to do, either because the interim head coach who is, you know, actually an assistant coach 
they want to keep around uh, or for some other reason. But Trevor, you had some thoughts on that on Slack. Yeah. So first off, like we knew that that was a thing. Landon Donovan gave an interview to somebody like two weeks ago, I think. Yeah, it was. I believe it was ESPN. I think it was ESPN. Um, yeah, he gave an interview and they talked specifically about like, what would it mean to coach at RSL? And what would it mean to be a head coach? And, you know, just general Landon Donovan type questions. And one of the things he said that kind of turned me off of the idea of Landon Donovan being a coach was that he basically was like, I like to just be the manager. I don't, there's a lot of things that I know that I'm not good at. And that's why I have a staff around me that is good at those things. And so he kind of sounded very reliant on his staff to do a lot of things, a lot of day-to-day training type stuff and a lot of like player evaluation type stuff and, and tactical type stuff. It just seemed like he had assembled a whole bunch of guys around him to do his job for him, which I don't know if that's the case, but that's kind of what, the way that I read it. And I didn't really like the sound of that. And now hearing this report where he wants to take that coaching staff with him, um, to RSL apparently and RSL probably saying no. And that's probably why he's withdrawing. There's part of it is, yeah, maybe they do want to keep Pablo around or maybe they really like some of the other assistants that they have and they they would rather keep those guys, but it could also just simply be like a contract situation. If you've got four or five assistant coaches that you've got to now let go and then renegotiate new contracts with four or five new assistants and a head coach, like they may be, don't want to buy out a whole bunch of guys or maybe can't buy out a whole bunch of guys and also maybe just don't want to go through the whole negotiation of terms process with four or five guys all at once like that i don't know if that would be something that the league would have to get involved in but that seems like a lot of work for a team without an owner i think it's just a lot easier for them to say we've got five yeah. candidates we're not going to deal with this so yeah Lots of speculation, certainly, um, but it just came out. So uh, who knows? We may find something out while we record. Yeah, yeah. probably Could not. But. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think about about that. But hey, I don't know. I'm kind of sad that he's out of the running because I thought just as a person, I really like Landon Donovan. Um I thought it would be interesting to see what he could do in MLS. I guess it, I mean it would have been somewhat of an experiment, right? Because like, I don't know, he's not really tested yet. But yeah, I guess uh, we won't be the ones to test him out, as it were. Yeah, like I said, we've got two other candidates that are also kind of going to be tested. You know, like guys with no head coaching experience. So yeah, so like it, I said, losing this one. It's not the end of the world. It is kind of a bummer, but like we've got plenty of other guys that are either experienced or not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that it really changes the situation very much. Uh, Who do I think it's going to be? Yeah. I had previously thought Pat Noonan. I no longer think that's the most likely. Um, I'm kind of thinking Lucci. Yeah. I I am on board with Lucci. I kind of think that might be the most likely one so and like it's interesting that um that the timeline or the the timing like with that what elliot says because like i mean if they were gonna give it to pablo i think matt brought this up at some point like maybe they would have done it already i don't know no maybe I, not the fact that they haven't given it to pablo yet and we're pretty comfortably inside a playoff spot 
and they've made like the playoff contention. I don't know. Like, I think we're only like three points clear, right? Or two points clear. The yeah, line. It's, it's still tight, but we're we're strengthening our position instead of weakening it. So that is yes. But I think what it is is like we're a couple points clear, but then the team. I think it's Vancouver that's just outside is like four points outside. So the gap from being in a playoff and out of the playoff is, is getting wider. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but anyway, I just. <sighs> I don't know. I think at this point, they've kind of accepted that this season is what it is. And I think that they feel like whether they go with Pablo in the future or not, it's more advantageous for this season to let Pablo just lead the way and not deal with any distraction of a new coach being announced that's not him mm-hmm. or having a new coach come in and try to keep this momentum going into a playoff run. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't know that it's necessarily a sign either way that Pablo's mm-hmm. going to stay or go. I think it's more just about maintaining this momentum into the end of the season. Yeah. yeah, And and we've heard Elliot Fall talk about wanting to respect the work that Pablo has done. And I think that yeah. plays pretty neatly into that. Uh, again, not a clear indication about what his future would be, um, but at least something that indicates that they have a reason for this, for not not hurrying. I was a little surprised they were go, wanted to go so quickly before. But, you know, on the back of, you know, a 4-1 loss to Vancouver and a 6-1 loss to Portland, like, it kind of made sense to me, yeah. too. But I think we're yeah. seeing, we're actually seeing a new coach bump now, which you statistically expect from almost every new coach. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see through the rest of the season if that continues. Um, I know it would be fun to attribute all of this to Pablo, uh, but I think that might be a little hasty. Yeah, and I I think I think our uh, front office is probably well aware of, and it probably agrees that would be hasty, right? I mean, I think so. Um, so I I just rearranged the news item so we can talk about the next one. Um, and this isn't really a news item, but one of the things Pablo said recently is that he likes to look at look at players' eyes to determine if they're focused <laughs> focused on the game or if they're um, not ready to play. Sorry, I forgot that this quote was a uh, thing. I remember that it came out and everybody was like, oh, he's so good of a coach or something. I don't know what the that, I mean, that was. was the general response, and it said... Yeah, and, and I listened players, to it and I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of a question and an answer that, like... Uh, I feel like reading anything into it is reading too much into it. So funny. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So the answer is basically like he likes to look at players' eyes. And if they're narrow and like look like they're focused, um, then they are prepared for the game. And if their eyes are open and they look a little spacey, they are not prepared for the game. And And now I know why Joni Menendez isn't playing. I mean, right? (laughs) Got those spacey eyes. There, there's so many factors that go into this, and some of them are going to be cultural, right? Like the yeah, way you I'm, you look around a room is going to differ based on a, a lot, any a number lot of, of factors. I really hope he's not making actual decisions like that, but um, but I he's mean, the sort of coach who, like, you would not be surprised if he was, right? He's got a wild look in his eyes sometimes, uh, and I, not necessarily always in a bad or not necessarily in a bad way. Um, but he he's like an intense dude. Like I was just like watching some of his mannerisms uh, after the game, and I was like, "Whoa!" He, 
I don't think he'd like me. No. <laughs> but I think I think I'm a little spacey eyed for him, but yes. This bit in green on the dock, is that a direct quote from Pablo or what's that no, from? No, 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 no. That's a, a comment from RSL Soapbox. Okay. Just somebody, just a great example that now now fans are into this, where yeah, the thing is like now now we're all body language experts and bunk science experts and uh, yeah, let's not do body uh, body language science. It never. It usually just ends up being like racist or anti-Semitic yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. So. So yeah. Um, remember when MSNBC? Okay, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, all right, let's move on to the next item, unless anyone wants to continue talking about how narrowly focused a player's eyes are. Which I'm just gonna say this: if you look at the uh, the player lineup uh, for RSL against Colorado, um, the, the photo that RSL tweets out and probably posts on Instagram, like their yep. eyes are all like narrow and focused. But I think <laughs> there might be a performative aspect there because if you look at Justin Gladden, I want you to. I'm going to post a link to this because you I'm really this up right now. You do really need to see Justin Gladden in this um, because. He is clearly not uh, a person who thrives on looking intense. Um, okay. Here it comes in Slack right below that picture of Mike Petke on the oh, safari. <laughs> Wait, is there a picture oh of Mike Petke Oh my Petke gosh, that's, that's so funny. So oh, there's yeah. a picture of Mike Petke. <laughs> um, Justin Glad is, is clearly he's like performing He's like his brow. <laughs> that's so funny. But yeah. th- there's a whole lot of performance going on here. And like so much of sports is actually just like performance art, right? Yeah, for sure. And we some, I mean, maybe I forget that sometimes, but like. Yeah, that is funny though, based on like immediately following those comments. It makes me laugh. Yeah. He, head down, like pra- <laughs> practically grimacing with his mouth shut. You got to do what you got to do, I guess. I guess so. All right. Next news item here. Uh, Rail Monarchs have uh, made history by playing a couple a, of times. A couple yeah. of times. First, by playing a 13 year old kid. And, and I a think professional kid is important here. Yeah. Child. Uh, child. A child. A yep. child. Uh, Axel Kai. Um, he, he clearly is not built like your average 13 year old, um, which uh, let's just say there's a lot of racism going on in, in the comments on Twitter. A ton. A t- it's especially a like specifically. Yeah, a metric ton, especially it's always around. Um, it's always uh, people that are like, I mean, it's, it's always black people, but it's always like uh, African black people as well. Yeah. Um, like this happened with uh, like I, I was looking um, I was comparing 13 year old Axel Kai to like I remember like LeBron James at that age. And I was like. I don't think people were uh, people were saying that type of thing about like, I mean, like if you look at basketball players in particular, like some of these kids that are around that age are just like huge and are just yeah. built like, you know, yeah, not like that. It's it's not like the most uncommon thing. He is for a soccer player. Very. He's big, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, for a 13 year old, he's very big. Like, yeah. I don't want to make well, it. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know, because, yeah, there's, there's a lot of kind of racist tropes that come out of seeing a large black 13 year old 
kid that's like bigger than your average 13 year old. And I just want to point out that like sometimes kids, whether they're black or white or whatever, are just bigger than other kids. We had a guy that was six foot 10 when I was in high school as a junior, he was six foot 10 and like very tall. Sometimes that happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that aside, the point is that he got played in the Monarchs game and like the reasons behind it, I get why the team is playing a 13 year old against a whole bunch of mid 20, 20 something guys, because like he's way too big to be playing with other 13 year olds. So that's fair. You play him up a couple years and he played with the U15 RSL Academy team. And I think the U17 RSL Academy team and was like lights out. Like he was a really good player. And so obviously you kind of want to get him as like, a developmental from a developmental standpoint, you want to get him playing against challenging opponents. You know what I mean? So you keep moving him up until you get to somebody that can challenge him and, and force him to develop, to be better than he is because playing a giant against children, like isn't helpful from a developmental standpoint. So Could be I get very that. Funny though. <laughs> yeah. But even like I said, with the U 15s, like he, I don't know all the specific details, but they went to some tournament and like in the final, he scored a hat trick. He's clearly a good player playing against kids that are two and three years older than him. So yeah, you kind of want him to be playing against better and better competition for to sure. get him to be a better and better player. And that all makes sense. But I have a real problem with putting a, like I said, literal child on the field against professionals. Like these guys are fighting for dollars. These guys are fighting for their livelihood. That's not really a developmental thing at that point. Like 13 year olds aren't ready for that in any aspect. Like physically it's different mentally, emotionally. It's a different sport. It's a different level of play. And you can't put a 13 year old kid in that position. I don't think it's fair to anybody it's not fair to the 20 something guy that's fighting for his life and it's not fair to the 13 year old who's just learning how to play soccer who's learning how to be yeah he's still a child like anyway i have a real problem putting a 13 year old on the field i have a real problem putting anybody younger than like 17 16 17 on the field because at least at that point it's like that's the next kind of step. You know that you're probably yeah. going to be a professional player because you're good enough to play with professional players. But at 13, this kid could literally in two years just decide he doesn't like soccer anymore and not want to play anymore, which is still totally fine because he's still a child. Maybe he wants to go to school and become a doctor. Like, let him. Like, or a software engineer. Or a software engineer. Or, of or, code. or I think what you're saying ties in something. It's just it's insane to, the, to me that we're doing this to this kid. Yeah. I think the thing you're saying ties in nicely to the next way that RSL or the, the organization, I guess the Monarchs set another record or made history, I guess you could say, <laughs> yep. for what took place at the game on Saturday. All right. So uh, Real Monarchs uh, started a 15-year-old goalkeeper, Fernando Delgado. Um, and uh, cool. Uh, I, I didn't watch the match entirely. I watched the highlights. I think yeah. he, he more or less held his own, although the match finished 3-4. Um, yeah, we yeah oh. the Monarchs were up 3-0, conceded three goals, and then scored a fourth to win. Yeah. Um, although he notably wasn't on the field for the fourth because he is also the youngest ever goalkeeper to receive a red card in a match, a professional match. And I have some thoughts on what these 
history markers actually mean and how U.S. soccer actually makes them kind of uh, weird. But um, so so we, I believe Austin Bold scored a goal. We'd already gone down a man. Um, he's in the net, you know, retrieving the ball or whatever players are doing, wasting time, really, um, if we're being totally honest. Uh, and then a player from Austin punches him in the head, it looked like, or maybe in the body, in the back. Uh, and then he lashes out naturally because you're 15 and someone just punched you. And then um, a whole bunch of people join in and it just turns into a regular old soccer dust up. Like, yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing too bad. Um, this stuff happens all the time uh, in every league. Um, but what doesn't happen all the time in every league uh, is the team then filing a police report about it, um, which is what happened here. Um, Trevor, as the uh, you are related to somebody with legal He's a resident expertise. legal expert. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to. I don't want to dox you too hard. But, um, what What do you think about this? I think that there's a couple different ways you can look at it. One, it's silly. It's not silly. If you're going to file a police report based on something that happens in a professional game, it's got to be very serious. And there's, it's happened before. There have been professional players that have been arrested and charged with stuff that has happened during a game. There's a hockey player that like paralyzed a guy once. He took his hockey stick and swung it like a baseball bat at the dude's head and severely damaged him, like ended his career. And he got in a whole bunch of legal trouble with it this is like 20 or some odd years ago but like it there's precedence it's happened before they filed police reports dudes got arrested they got charged with criminal acts now is throwing a punch a criminal act like i don't really want to get into that debate because that's not the point but i'll say that it's happened a lot in soccer games people have thrown punches it's happened in baseball it's happened in basketball we had not to bring up the malice of the palace but that happened you know what I mean? Like sometimes like things happen and, and they're all like, there's a lot of these kind of just regular old dustups that happen. And the one that happened in the Monarchs game wasn't ideal. You had a 28 year old professional player punch a 15 year old <laughs> non-professional player. Yeah. Like that's not a good situation to be in, but you're only in that situation because it's a 15 year old. Right. You're only filing a police report at this point. I feel like because it's a 15 year old, a player punching another player or punching a goalkeeper that's not giving you the ball like that's happened before. And like it, a red card gets handed out. You move on. You play the game. You finish the game. Nobody calls the cops. But now we're calling the cops. And I think the only reason that we're calling the cops is because it happened to a 15 year old non-professional player that to my knowledge hasn't signed any kind of contract to play with the team. He's not getting paid to do this it's not his job and so in in effect it's a 28 year old guy punching a minor and why are you putting a minor in that situation in the first place again this is a problem that i have with what the monarchs are doing with the academy kids and putting them in these situations that aren't really beneficial to them for a lot of reasons but do i think anything's going to come from this police report no because like i said everything like this kind of stuff happens. Cops are going to review the footage. The prosecutor is going to review the footage and they're going to see soccer players playing a soccer game and they're professional soccer players playing a professional soccer game. And sometimes a punch gets thrown and you get a red card and maybe you're suspended for two or three games. And that's, that's, that's it. Like 
technically there's a legal avenue where you could call that assault and you could make that argument. I don't think a prosecutor is going to make that argument because a prosecutor has to be like a hundred percent before they take the case. And I don't think you're going to find very many prosecutors that are like, Oh yeah, this is absolutely an assault in this specific scenario. I just don't think it is. Maybe I'm wrong and I'd happy, I'd be happy to be wrong because I'm not a legal expert, but I don't see a prosecutor looking at this and saying, yeah, we definitely need to follow through on this. Ironically, I think he, I think he pointed this out, but I think the most likely outcome, if, if anything were to happen in result of this, I think it was you try to point it out that like the thing that might happen would be that like USL doesn't let 15 year olds play in, yeah. in this league. Yeah. Uh, in the league anymore, which would be funny in a way um, for that to be the outcome of real monarchs who fielded the 15 year old and the 13 year old and um, then filed a police report and then which resulted in them not being able to play that to I, I don't know do if that's going to happen I, I I honestly don't know I want to learn more about the rules about actually you know fielding children in these games I don't really get it um, I haven't read much about it though so I don't know think clearly that it seems, appears they can just do that <laughs> um, yeah so yeah American soccer is uh no, no American soccer league is uh, transparent with their rules. So, yeah. So, I don't know. Freddie D was 15 when he signed an MLS. 14. Or 14. Sorry. Uh, who knows? I don't know the rules here. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Probably nothing. But it would be funny if the Monarchs can't play their 15-year-old goalkeeper anymore. So, um, so but probably maybe good. a little bit of a moot point uh, because uh, Lucas Muller, uh, our... What did we call him again? Special correspondent. Special, Special correspondent. correspondent Lucas yep. Muller reported that uh, Rail Monarchs are set to move to MLS next next year, <laughs> which is the uh, MLS second or third division league focused just on MLS teams with certainly some different rules involved. Yeah, um, around like, moving players between them, right? Yeah. So it does, to me, feel a little like uh, Real Monarchs are starting to try to go down that road of mm-hmm. playing playing academy kids more, giving them minutes, um, and certainly that that's a good goal. You just usually expect those academy kids to be between the ages of sixteen and eighteen, and not thirteen yeah. and fifteen. I think it's also a good goal, especially if it's in a league that is uh, of similar makeup to yeah. that the teams that are playing like if if monarchs move into this mls next league and they're playing four, 13 to 19 year olds or whatever it is that's a lot better than you know being on the field with guys in their late 20s who are like trying to scrape onto like an mls roster potentially at some point you know and resulting in a situation where they're punching a 15 year old i think if it's a league that has a similar makeup of like the cohort, um, I think that's uh, I think it's a bit better. <laughs> and there's fewer situations like this where it's like just this ridiculous. But anyway, so the next item I've got here, I just think it's worth mentioning that uh, none of these records really mean that much because they're not on professional contracts. Um, and the yeah. reason like you don't see this in in say England where you will have 13 and 15 year olds playing up occasionally with like U18 sides or U21 sides, which is essentially what Real Monarchs are purporting to be. Yeah. With a couple yeah. overage players. Um, you don't see that because like 
they they're getting paid, but they're on like youth contracts, and those are it's not considered a per, like a professional uh, appearance. But like it's the same basic idea that you're seeing with Real Monarchs. They're just playing older opponents. Yeah. So it's it's a weird one for me um, because it's made a lot of news and people think it's really cool, and some people think it's probably a little problematic. Well, not going to name names, but <laughs> it's it's a problem for me because like it, at some point being the youngest to do something like doesn't matter anymore. You know what I mean? Like there's something to be said for being like the youngest goal scorer in champions league history, just to throw something out. There's something to be said about that because you have to like get to a certain level and that's an incredible thing to do and to accomplish. And you have to show your skills at every single level level up to that. And then all of a sudden you're, I don't know what the record is now, a 17 year old that's playing in a very serious tournament with a very serious team with a, you know, you have to have shown coach after coach after coach that you're able to hang at that level and you can play at that level and you do that kind of thing. But putting a 13 year old in a game for Monarchs, a team that's, I don't know if they're in last place, but they're close to it right now. And it's near the end of the season in basically, you know, garbage time for the Monarchs. Like they just need to play games. There's nothing that they're playing for or care about just throwing a kid out in the field just so you can be like, yeah, we've got the youngest ever all time professional appearance, like under our belt, like it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? The the bar for that is so low that, and, and it's so easy to be the youngest player. That honestly, like at this point, once you get to be below, like we said, like 16, 15, 16, once you get younger than that, like you don't have any business being there and it doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't actually accomplish what you think it accomplishes. It sends the wrong message. You shouldn't be having 13 or 14 year old kids playing against professional players. Like we've seen this happen time and time again, almost universally, every 14, 15 year old kid that goes out and plays against professional players, like suddenly finds out that it's not very fun. And then they stop being good at soccer. Mm-hmm. We see, we've seen it with Freddie Adu. The other one that comes to mind is Hakeem Mastur. Any of you guys ever remember him or have heard of him? It, it was the same story. He got signed to a professional contract when he was like 14, 15 years old was compared to Messi, And now he's like 21 and nobody's heard of him. And I think he might still be playing professional soccer in the second division somewhere because it's not fun to just get beat up a whole lot because you're a 16 year old kid. It's genuinely doing a disservice to the kid, like as a human and as a soccer player, like it doesn't accomplish anything. Yep. All right. I feel like I made my point on the, on that matter. (laughs) On that note, let's, uh, let's talk about Colorado Rapids and something a little happier. Let's go. Does somebody want to start us off? We we could go goal by goal, but we're already an hour in. I wonder if we should jump straight to just breaking it down a little bit. Yeah, sure. So, Trevor, did you get a chance to watch the game or is are you uh, did you just catch the highlights? No, I watched the game. Um, Nice. Just to finish my point, Mastura is playing in Serie D, the fourth division of Italian soccer right now. Word. Better than me. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, yes, I did watch the game on kind of crappy internet, but we got through it. We managed to watch the whole thing. 
Nice. Yeah. So RSL um, obviously played Colorado at home and this was the final. Uh, this was the, the Rocky Mountain Cup final. Um, if we win, we win the cup. If we tie, then I think Colorado wins it based on goal differential. I'm not sure. Um, Trevor, do you know? No, I don't. They've changed okay. the rules a couple times, and with COVID last year, they changed the rules again. Yeah, someone said it was based on goal differential, which makes sense, I guess. But I just didn't know if that was um, I, I, if that would go in our favor or not. What I remembered know. was that they changed it to from wins to losses to total like aggregate goals over the series mm. of matches or something like that. But I didn't keep okay. track of where it was this year, so I have no idea. I just knew that if we won the game, we won the cup, which was good enough for me. Was good enough for all of us. So, yeah, RSL lined up in a our chosen three five two thing we've got going on. Except a bit of a surprise here: Tony Dotkovich was not in the eighteen at all. Um, was not on the injury list. Just appeared to not make the eighteen. And so we played with a back three of Justin Glad, Eric Holt in the middle, and Aaron Herrera as our right center back. And um, on his right, uh, playing um, right wing essentially was was Andrew Brody, and then we had Chang on the left, uh, Everton and Pablo in the middle, Albert in front of them, Demir and Rubio up top. So um, it was a pretty it was a pretty good game. Like Colorado was certainly very intense. This game it wasn't anything like the last time that they we played them at home where they kicked the ball into their own goal, their goalie did, and then it was it was a pretty dominant performance from RSL. Um I thought RSL did well this game uh for the most part. I just it just was a a lot tighter than that last one. So RSL ends up winning 3-1 through the most of the game. Uh RSL does score pretty early in this one. Aaron Herrera um was playing seriously like a, a right wing center back role, which is it's pretty intriguing i guess um played another really good cross into the box um to his right wing compatriot uh andrew brody who like dummies the by missing it and then hits uh demir <laughs> Krylock at the back post with a very nice header um that was great and then um rsl held the rest of that half um held colorado scoreless rsl obviously held scoreless as well um Beginning of the second half, uh, nice link-up play again. Demir Krylock plays a very lovely pass in behind the defense to Rubio Rubin, who buries a shot there. Um, and then it was kind of just a kind of a Colorado onslaught for a, a little while. Felt like it was, the goal was inevitable. There was a sequence there where Colorado had the ball in our box, hit the post about five, six times. It seemed like not, not really, but... Definitely hit the hit the post right after hit the crossbar, then get a corner, then they score off of a corner that was a deflected ball, and then um, it was kind of just RSL really fighting for that third goal, bringing on Anderson Julio, and then eventually getting that third goal at the last kick of the game to to seal it. But sorry, I did go end up going goal by goal, but Startling anyway, it. It's it was uh, it was a good it was a good game. I think um, I'm 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 pleasantly I'm, I'm happy with the defensive effort especially with a back line made up of um one player who is not definitely has never played center back for rsl and then another one who i don't think is an mls caliber center back 
but I mean, <laughs> it's holding his held his own in this game, I guess. Um, yeah, it was pretty nuts. Yeah, one but, one note about yeah. that with Aaron Herrera playing in the right center back role is that he actually uh, told Pablo Mastroeni that he wanted to play there instead of his wing back position. Interesting. Or, or yeah. Whatever that was, um, that he thought he'd feel more comfortable with more defensive responsibility. And uh, for me, that that tells me everything I need to know about what this wingback position really is. Yeah. Which is uh, a generic wide player without strong instruction. Uh, Aaron Herrera is a smart player. Like he can play a number of positions. If he didn't feel comfortable playing a wingback position, then that's not really a wingback position, is it? No, absolutely not. He clearly felt like he needed to give himself more defensive responsibility because, I mean, Aaron Herrera had an incredible game defensively. He obviously had that really good cross. He played a few crosses from his right center wingback role. Um, but, like, defensively, he made some incredibly key tackles. He was just um, he was deflecting crosses constantly. It seemed like the first half. Um, actually, I can think of a few moments in both halves where um, a ball was played in from the uh, the opposite side, so it would have been um, Justin Glad slash Michael Chang's side. Um, and Michael Chang's not a defender; he's not playing a wingback role. And so J- Justin Glad was getting overwhelmed a couple of times from that other side, where crosses were played from that side. And Aaron Herrera on the back post was able to cover RSL and either deflect the ball out or just win the ball together. So, um, yeah, he was fantastic that game. And I really like him in that role. If we're going to keep doing that with this, um, (laughs) that thing, uh, then sure. I like, I like, I like him there. Um, I'm still very unsure. Well, I'm pretty sure, but not in a positive way about Eric Holt, but you know, he, he did truck it. someone down that didn't get called again. <laughs> it was outside the box this time, though. So that was good. I don't know why he does that. <laughs> it's in his nature. I, I remember yeah. uh, because I, I followed him at least lightly in college. Um, that happening in college, he just you know, ran somebody over after the play. And uh, I believe it was an opposing player or a team, a, yeah, teammate of the opposing player. Uh, that tweeted at him about it and was very oh, really? angry. Called him a thug or something. Yeah, I mean, I, like Colorado was mad when that happened. I like I don't think many people noticed it because the ball went the per, the person that got trucked like had gotten rid of the ball like a, as is tradition, and then Eric Cole just like slammed into him. I don't even know if it was on the broadcast. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I didn't see anything about it, but it's just anytime you watch Eric Cole in those situations, that always happens. And Eric Cole is a he's a big dude. He's like, I mean, I saw him shirtless after the game, and he's just like insanely thick jacked, and I was. Just very, I mean, I don't want to get pushed over by him, but yeah, that guy that got hit was pretty pissed. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty trippy game. I mean, there were a lot of, uh, early fouls by RSL that like maybe some could have been a yellow and then Colorado gets a yellow on one of their first like fouls, but ended up, I mean, it was deserving of a yellow. There was just, yeah, it was pretty rough. Diego, um, Ruby, Diego Rubio, I keep forgetting that dude's <laughs> name, just got underneath Achoa at one point and Achoa did like a flip and into the ground, which was pretty scary. Landed but, on his head, like real yeah, bad stuff. It was just like, and Diego Rubio, like I've pr- probably felt bad about that one. Um, it was, yeah, it was interesting, but 
And another interesting thing that happened in this game is um is our subs. So the first sub of the game. Wait, did we make two? Our first subs was a double or was it a? It was a single. Seventy six minute. Uh, Rubin or Julio for Rubin. Oh yeah, yep. Seventy six minute was our first sub of the game, and it was to get Julio on, which is a good sub. Um, seventy six minute is interesting. I mean, it's just our first sub at the seventy six is pretty wild. Um, but I, I mean, I wasn't like clamoring for subs, but I, I thought it might be nice to get some more speed in there, maybe for Chang, because I, I mean, I think Chang is a good player. He's just not fast. Um, and I was maybe hoping for some Joni Menendez time in there. I am absolutely fully supportive of uh, of Anderson Julio being whatever role this is and being our first man off the bench to replace Rubio Rubin rather than Bobby Wood. Because Rubio Rubin, or excuse me, D, uh, Anderson Julio has proven himself to be a much more of a goal scoring threat for RSL than Bobby Wood has so far. Um, I would like to see more Bobby Wood, but I, I mean, how can like as a sub in that, in that type of situation where a goal really solidifies things and you can bunker down and just counter over the top with Anderson Julio because he's so fast. Like you have to put him on instead of Bobby Wood in my opinion, but yeah. Um, Agreed. Was very happy to say. I mean, Anderson Julio is just—he's such a menace. Like in those in the late game, where um, he can just get in behind the defense. Like he—he he, he could have scored twice before he ended up actually scoring. He had two other chances that were, um, including one being saved off the line by a defender. But yeah, just just nuts. And maybe that's the argument for Bobby Wood, right? Maybe he's a, a more natural finisher. Yeah. Yeah, but can't argue sure. with results. Yeah, he might. He we might can. be like in front of goal. All, if like they get the same pass, I think Bobby Wood might be more clinical. But I don't know. Anderson Julio's got got the speed and like, and he's in great I, form right now. And I'm like, I don't know. I think it's. I like when players. There's a, there's a stigma about being a substitute. I guess maybe I don't know if that's fair to say, but like I think so. Um, that's a that's a good role, man. Like <laughs> he keeps scoring goals when he's do- when he's coming off the bench like that. Like it seems great for him. I, I think. Yeah. Well, um, and you saw the reaction after he scored one, what three weeks ago or something. That that amazing masterclass. Yeah. Um, the reaction was like, when is he going to start? That's what I said. And yeah, then the next game he started, it. and I was like. Okay, maybe yep. maybe he shouldn't start actually. <laughs> yeah. But players want to start. They want playing time obviously, but like I don't know, man. It's not like he was insanely like just uh a goal-scoring phenom where he was before. No, he wasn't like, playing. Yeah, exactly. So like I don't know. This seems I I, th- I think he he could he could still score as a starter, but it just seems like this role for him off the bench where he's like these defenders that have been running for you know, 80 minutes. I now have to deal with a guy who's fresh and like the fastest player on our team running in behind them. And it's like, we're very good at getting him the ball in those situations. And it's in like, we've tried that earlier this season with Bobby Wood, even Rubio Rubin, like he's way faster than Rubin, but anyway. So eight goals this year, his previous best was, uh, in Ecuador and he scored six in 2019. Yeah. So pretty good. Yeah. And yeah. most of his goals pretty are from good. the bench. So 
I don't know much about an athlete's like mental state, but I feel like they've got to be happy when they're contributing. They've got to be happy when they're, when they found a role that they can succeed in. And I feel like that's what's happened with Anderson. Like he's, he's definitely contributing in a meaningful way. And he's, he seems to have found a role. Um, Like you said, I I know the players, the goal is to be like a starter and the goal is to be the best player on the team and, and all that stuff. And, but at the same time, like if you're making appearances, if you're scoring goals, I feel like you got to be happy about that. As a fan, I know I am. I love yeah. Anderson's role. And in this team, like you said, for all those reasons, I think he's perfect. And I think he's shown to be one of the best signings that we've made for this team. You know what's wild yes. about this for me is that he's now finding success when we've stopped playing wingers, like crew wingers. Yeah, he's playing striker for us when he comes in. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I didn't have that as what would happen. I don't mind. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. Um, <laughs> oh, speaking of wingers, I guess we can. I don't know if we should save this for next time. I we we should talk about the Justin Miram stuff in Iraq. I actually want to read more about that before we. T- I'll talk. We can talk about it next week. I'll even put it on the agenda. Yeah, um, but Justin Miram has retired from international soccer in the, in the middle of their qualifiers. So I guess yeah. this is in between two qualifying groups due to like a lot of mistreatment, I guess, by the coaching staff over there. But um, by a new new coach that came in, this is new for them. But anyway, um, yeah, it is it is very odd. I f- and I feel bad for Justin Miram now that I'm thinking about it. Just I mean. I don't know, his time with RSL has been weird. He's got a lot of playing time. He's got a lot of chances. But yeah, we are wingerless formation. I, I except not really. I, I don't know. I the three five two still baffles me and worries me because I, like Matt Doyle talked about it in his most recent article, is like recap of MLS weeks action. He talked about like I mean RSL is scoring more for sure, um, but like those insane games that we played against Vancouver and. Uh, specifically the Portland one was just the the biggest example of just like how badly things can go when we don't know what we're doing. Um, so I don't know. I, it, it's If Pablo ends up getting the job or something and this is like our new thing and he brings in or is able to sign some players that fit this formation a bit better, could be a bit, a bit more interesting and make me feel less scared. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty nerve-wracking sometimes seeing the way that we play when we have Andrew Brody and Aaron Herrera far up the field, Justin Glad sometimes far up the field, and Eric Holt is like the only one. Or it's like sometimes it's Eric Holt and it's Everton. It's very odd. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. But there were times that made me nervous uh, against Colorado, but we we pulled it out and we won. We won the cup. So and SCU was at the game. Interestingly, I don't know if you saw that, Trevor. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did see that? Did notice that? But I, I like another thing uh, for Pablo. Like I guess the just overall the vibes seem to be pretty good with this team. I just like how the players seem to be interacting. Do you disagree, Trevor? I think the vibe. Well, this is going to sound really stupid, but I think the vibes are good after a win. Well, after a win, yeah, I think everybody's really happy and obviously you know satisfied and everything's <laughs> working because we've seen like after the. It was a Portland game that went off the rails, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after the Portland game, um, after a few other games or just at halftime, whenever we're losing, like 
you get the player in for the interview and it seems like every single time they're very frustrated and upset about the way that they've been playing or it just seems like they're frustrated about like the weight of the season yeah like just so yeah after a win the vibes seem really good but after a for loss sure. the vibes seem way off but like, and way bad even even after it's some not really wins balanced at all that that's true but like i'm comparing this win to even like earlier wins in the season under like freddie and how sure. some players on the field like post game were acting like even on some of the wins like we had players just doing weird stuff like after the game just walking around like aimlessly in the middle of the field yeah. like it just seems like back to front the vibes are better like with the subs the players that aren't even making the field i i, I don't know like Matt and I were just hanging out, like watching what was going on on the field, down on the field after the game was over. More fans were there than like normal, um, like late after the game was over. Like more players were just like walking around. Like Pablo takes like a ton of time to talk to fans after the game. I don't like, which I think is, um, I haven't seen from RSL coaches before that I can think. Maybe Kassar actually did that. I don't, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's there's like a lot of positives here that make me happy, but I, I mean, they just don't seem sustainable, right? Like, I, the way I, they have a clear you know, plan to succeed long term. <laughs> that's that's what worries me. And I guess when you have a solid coaching hire, then I guess maybe that changes. But I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of what I've been saying with Pablo. Like, what we're seeing is a very entertaining form of soccer, but it's when it works it's outstanding and when it doesn't work it's very bad and just like i said it's not a lot of balance it's not really sustainable it's not something you can count on week in and week out but can be a lot of fun in the meantime yeah i think like i said that's what i'm worried about with the pablo hire is that we're going to get that and if we get that like i said that can be a fun team to watch it can be a fun team to root for but when it Again, when it's bad, it's bad. When it's when we have a Portland game, it's like players are. It's like yeah, what, no, yeah, I like get it. What are we doing? Why are we doing this? Why do we choose this guy? Like, but then we beat Colorado three to one, and we win the cup, and everything's totally forgotten, and we're happy again. So, <laughs> I do yeah. think it's worth remembering for me that like this win feels really good, and that last minute goal really, really changed the dynamic of the scoreline, right? Like, oh, yeah. Totally. You look at it and it looks like it was a comfortable win uh, from the outside. But watching the game, there was nothing comfortable about that. Like For sure. We got like half a second of comfort after, like, after Colorado kicked off before the whistle was blown. And like, <laughs> that's about it for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I agree. Now, obviously, I didn't watch the game with you guys. So maybe it was just the vibes are a little bit different. But we to me we weren't like comfortably winning like 100 percent, no doubt the whole way but it seemed right up until colorado scored like we were comfortable we had the game under control for the most part there was a couple times where we kind of lost control but you kind of expect that to happen you can't really yeah the ebbs and flows yeah you can't really expect to dominate a game for 90 minutes especially with a team like this so there's going to be five or 10 minute stretches where, you know, Colorado's looking good, but it seemed like we dealt with those pretty well. 
And we came out of those pretty yeah. well to me. Yeah, it was like the the 10 minutes leading up to their goal was like pretty stressful. I could I mean it felt like a goal yeah. was going to happen mainly also because they were hitting the post, but um and then like after they score that was pretty nervy and it, it, yeah, it, I, I don't know. What minute did they score in again? I, I can't remember. In the 73rd minute. 73rd, yeah. not late. It was yeah, so from there until like <laughs> Once Anderson came on, I honestly was a bit more optimistic because I knew he was going to get at least one chance. Luckily, he got three chances and nailed one of them. No, you're um, a yet, but we'll take him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. No, you're a in in probably the best possible way. Oh, didn't someone see Yura at the game a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Was that an unsubstantiated report or was that no. real? Well, it was unsubstantiated. Like, it, there wasn't a picture taken. But the person who tweeted it, I believe 100%. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I wonder if he's, I wonder what he's up to. Um, <laughs> I think he still owns a home here. Oh, I thought he sold his place. I know, I that, we, know. I know that he put it up for sale. We don't have to it was for, Let's find The out. one that, yeah, the one that he lived in here when he was here this last time was definitely, he definitely sold that one because I remember us tracking the listing. <laughs> when, when did he leave the team again? It, well, Mike, was that 20, 2018, 16, 17, 2018, 2018. Well, he like didn't play all year his last Remember year. Remember when he like, he was like um, here and people were like, uh, why isn't he playing? And it turns out because he like didn't care. Oh yeah. Yeah. Remember? 2017 was his last season with us then. Did he shush Mike Pecky that one time? Yeah, yeah. that was great. I loved it. <laughs> That was the best moment. <laughs> Wasn't that after he scored like a super like messy goal too? Yeah, and then he like didn't score again for the rest of the year. <laughs> anyway, all that to say, his house has gone up in value like two hundred thousand dollars since he left. I, yeah, I bet. <laughs> well, and it would probably sell for a lot more. But yeah, it it does look like he still owns a home here, and uh, it's like a, oh. it's a nice one actually. Good investment. Then I'll send you guys a link. I'm not going to reveal the address on. Yeah. On anyway. So yeah, like again, like winning heals wounds and all that. Winning makes things feel a lot better. But um, it, I mean, we've won. Is is this the fifth game in a row we've won at home? I thought it was the seventh or seventh game. I don't know. Oh, that, sorry, that was the fifth game in a row that Demir Krylock has scored. That's a yes, new that's RSL RSL record, um, which is a good record. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyway, so yeah, yeah, it's seven consecutive wins at home. That's great, and five in and a row. And that's the longest Downey. home winning streak I think we've ever had. Is that right? It's the longest home winning streak. Um, I don't know if they if that like takes into account like U.S. Open Cup and stuff. I didn't remember if they said in all competitions or in league play, but either way, I think it's the longest uh, home winning streak for sure for MLS regular season. Yeah, and that's obviously different from unbeaten streak, which one yeah. time we had was like. Was that twenty nine games? Right. No, it was. Um, I thought Lucas just looked it up, and I thought it was thirty seven. Oh yeah, I don't know what it is, but that it that's was, crazy. That was like back in the like Champions League run mm-hmm. times that we had, like back in twenty ten through twenty thirteen, somewhere on there. Yeah, man, that was cool. Anyway, so that was that game. We had fun. It was great. Uh, Love to see it. Love to see Colorado be sad. I was controlling the Twitter account and I was talking trash on. I wasn't really talking trash. No, I didn't you were even talking swear. trash. That was a little bit. <laughs> you trash at the end. My favorite tweet. 
Which one? The, the one where you called them all like, um, oh, the complete and total losers. Complete and total the losers. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> was well, pretty good. Yeah. Oh, uh, and I said that they took their like due to like the their incompetence and their uh, lack of primary jersey sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is so weird that they like sometimes have a jersey sponsor and then other times they don't. Like, didn't did like Transamerica last like one year or what was that? Sounds about I thought right. It was two or three years, but yeah. I've never seen a team in MLS go so long, so many years without a primary jersey sponsor. Oh, San Jose has been San oh, Jose, and Colorado right. have been kind of in the same boat where they like have one for two or three years and then they don't for two or three years and then. So why two? That's so fascinating to me because especially San Jose, because it's like Silicon Valley. You'd think that there's just like a ton that they could get. Um, but why also Denver seems like a good, I don't know. You'd think. Maybe not. I don't know who the ownership group is in San Jose, but it seems easy to blame the ownership group in Colorado. It's a terrible yeah. ownership group. I hate them. Matthew. Oh, <laughs> no. Wow. no, like their, their ownership group, like uh. for for several years just didn't care about the team. And it kind of feels like it's a lot that way in San Jose. Sometimes like they do, they make one or two cool signings or they make one or two like front office shifts every now and then. And then people kind of get excited for them. And then after like two or three years, they're back to being kind of nobody cares about them. Yeah. It'll be interesting if Landon Donovan does end up coaching in San Jose, what that does to the, can Org. I a pop quiz ask you guys mm-hmm. a question? Yeah. Sure. So during the from the seven home game win streak, the first game of that seven was against Colorado in July on July twenty fourth, right? Oh, nice. So we've won seven home games in a row since then. How many road games during that time do you think we have won or tied? I we've won. I looked. We've won one, <laughs> and that was the San Jose game. Yep. We've tied zero. One. Oh, what was the tie? The, that was the game immediately following that. That was zero zero at Houston. Oh my gosh, that's Every right. Every other game, one, two, lost. three, four, five, six, seven away <laughs> games have all been losses. Okay, so we've lost. <laughs> Some we've of them lost. Quite so we've lost seven away games in a row? No, because the San Jose win. Oh, that right, was on sorry. the road. That was a win. So we've won one, and that was in. I forgot when middle, that was. Close to the middle of all that. Okay. So on the road, we've been abysmal, and at home, we have been pretty good. I've been good. Yeah. Wow, that road run of form. And that includes yeah. when did Pablo take over? Pablo took over about halfway through that. So three of those home wins were Freddie. Yeah. And so, one of those road wins was Pablo. Everything else on the road has been a loss. It was that San Jose game was still one of the most ridiculous RSL games I've ever seen in my life. I yeah. feel like those ridiculous games always happen with San Jose. Oh, <laughs> you just go back to well, 2011, right? Like, yeah, yeah. it's like yeah, every Nash single Brothers. year something happens against. Yeah, with us there was something Jose. about Stephen Lenhart and Alan Gordon that were just like nightmares waiting to happen regardless like on both sides of the field just they're horrendous like i don't know why but i mean even this year right uh like our game at home was rubio rubin's ridiculous bicycle kick that was overshadowed by wanda scoring two goals against us like in the final 10 minutes to beat us so Mm -hmm. 
And those are like two of his only goals of the season. I think they are his t- only two goals this year. <laughs> well, it really goes to show what uh, changing your whole coaching staff will do, doesn't it? Uh, yes, <laughs> that's right. Um, that San Jose is also the team that ended Jordan Allen's mm. career. It's also the team oh that I think we've gosh, had the most right. red cards, like oh, most man. red cards for and against. Yeah. Poor Jordan. That was sad. Messing. Do you remember his goal against Toronto, that winning goal? Um, yeah. Yeah. Great player. What a cool player. Um, anyway, we've got an away game coming up next. Do you want my preview? Yep. Against, sure, let's do it. Against Chicago. We've got two away games coming up. So against Chicago, uh, they've been eliminated from the playoffs. That is my preview. Cool. So yeah. we had better not lose. Yeah, you know what that means. It- <laughs> So I know we suck on the road, but like we <laughs> we really shouldn't lose to Colorado if we're or a Chicago. serious play, or sorry Chicago if we're a serious playoff team, which maybe we aren't. I don't know. They did but beat New York City. FC. They kind of suck too, don't they? I don't remember. It's I on. It's so hard to know if if NYCFC is good at the moment or not because. They're just another team. The I honestly pay little attention to the East Coast teams because we've pl- we play them so infrequently that like I don't know. Yeah, we only played two or three this year. They're battling yeah. for a playoff spot, so they're yeah they are out right of the, the playoffs picture right now. Yeah, they're bad. I've seen a couple of their games. I'm just well, like, were, weren't they like incredible at the beginning of the season, and then I just over the last so. like two months they've been a disaster. I, can I don't look know. It up. I don't Let's get see. them. They have so not much won money. a game since they played Cincinnati in September. And before that, it was late August. Hmm. They've played several games and lost most of them lately. Cool. Um, yeah, rough. so we do need to beat Chicago. Um, I don't know about a must win, but it's a must not lose in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> Chicago uh, is... Uh, has 16 losses on the season. We've got 28 points from 30 games. Yeah, that's that is good. less than one point points yeah. per game. Cool. Their home record is not as bad as that would have you think, which is funny. That means they've just lost on the road, right? Pretty much. Uh, that's oh, like a win, two two draws and a win on the road. The rest Two is two draws. Is, and a, our our road oh, record have, isn't much better. Not they have a game. Chicago plays on Wednesday. They have a game in between, but they're playing Cincinnati, which also doesn't matter at all. Yeah, <laughs> they can play a well, thirteen. At least we get a, okay. So we're playing against the uh, Chicago team. I keep wanting to say Colorado. That is coming off of a mid midweek game, and. We play them on Saturday and we're better than them. So we really do need to win that game if we want to really solidify our playoff spot. And maybe we don't, but I do. Yeah, it would be good if we did. It would be nice. We are. Oh, okay. So I was wrong a little bit on the numbers. Uh, Minnesota is the last place team in the playoff picture right now. They're seventh. They have 41 points. Vancouver is on 40. And then it's three points from there to the next team, which is LAFC. What happened to Minnesota this year? They're so weird because they were really bad when the season started, and then they were really good, and they were like at the top, like top three for a while. It seemed. Yep. Yeah, they're back and to kind of bad. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, they, they lost to a ten man Colorado the other day before Colorado played us. I think it's just that their coach is not that good. 
Yeah, he's rude too. I don't like him. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Well, I think that we're we're coming up we're on at our time. Yeah, we're coming up on <laughs> on over over time almost. So that's right. Well, so, anything it's else been a we pleasure. Need to talk about is that it? We cover the whole list. No, I kind of need to use the bathroom though. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, I gotta go to the gym tonight. All right, right. old Jim. Hi. Hello. <laughs> well, all right. Good night, guys. Good night, everyone. <laughs>